Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. We're going to talk about threesomes today. This is the Guide to Threesomes episode with Stella Harris. Stella Harris is a certified intimacy educator, coach, and mediator, and she uses a variety of tools to guide and empower her clients, and she teaches everything from pleasure anatomy to communication skills to kink and BDSM. My listeners have heard me mention her book, Tongue Tied, uh, Untangling Communication in Sex, Kink, and Relationships, and we're going to talk about her book, The Ultimate Guide to Threesomes, and we're also going to take a bunch of your listener questions. So, hi, Stella. Hello. Hello. Uh, so, what makes you the expert on threesomes, Stella? Gosh, um, I have so much sort of discomfort around the word expert when it comes to sex things. I feel like everyone kind of needs to be the expert in their own sex life. But uh, the reason that I am writing a book about threesomes uh, is sort of twofold. Uh, one, I have had a lot of them. Thank you. That's uh, what I was getting to. <laughs> that's what we're going for. Yeah, uh, she's knowledgeable, folks. I have had a lot of them. And also, I did research for the book. I talked to a lot of other folks. Um, and the book was born in part because as an educator and coach, I got asked about threesomes possibly more than anything else. It's probably up there with anal sex as sort of the thing people are most curious about and haven't tried yet. Mm -hmm. um, and strangely, there weren't a lot of resources out there yet. So it seemed like the book needed to happen. Oh, the demand is outrageous because I get those questions all the time. And I'm like, okay, honestly, I can count on my one hand how many threesomes I've had. So like for someone who's been having sex for 20 years, not that many. And I'm a very like sexually prolific person when I want to be, um, when I'm not having dry spells, you know, which happens, but like, I like to fuck and like, they're not that common because there's a few reasons that we'll go into that later. So when people try to ask me, I'm like, I am not the person to ask. I can give you some advice. So I'm so glad to have you here, Stella. People can also find you stellaharris.net. And then on Instagram, you are Stella Harris Erotica because you also write erotica. Yeah, that's sort of how I launched into the the professional sex world was was writing first. So yeah. yeah. And that's on Clayus Press, a lot of it, right? Yeah. A number of my um, erotica stories are in their anthologies and both of my full length books are with Cleus as well. Okay. Cleus, great. Yeah. I like to recommend them because also people are always asking about erotica. So, okay. So you decided to make this book because there's a demand. I really, really like just how you communicate in general. You're so mindful and specific. And I like on about, let's see, page 10. So this is chapter one. What threesomes are and are not for? Um, threesomes are a great way to try something new with the potential added support of a partner or friend with you. A way to share new kinds of intimacy, a way to live out fantasies, a chance to explore new people, new bodies, new dynamics, an opportunity to see your partner from a new angle, a way to confront jealousy, let go of possessiveness, to celebrate sex and sexuality. I won't read all of these on the next one, uh, <laughs> but I like that you say threesomes are not a bandage for a troubled relationship, a chance to test your partner, a solution for boredom. A chance to ignore a third person's feelings, wants, or needs. So, yeah, there's the potential for more conflict, I feel like, can come up when you add more people. 
just mm-hmm. like the potential for pleasure can can be there if you add more people. Uh, what was your first like positive threesome experience? Gosh, um, I mean, my I've had far more positive than than negative. I think my first ever threesome actually lasted for about seven hours. I think it was <gasps> it was the first for all three of us, and we were so excited um about the opportunity that we all kind of wore ourselves out a little bit that's Um, so cute and that was sort of ridiculous um were you hydrating you were hydrating and taking breaks there were a lot of breaks yes there were there were breaks to uh you know to feed the cats as there always seemed to be in in sex marathons and we were getting beverages uh, taking bathroom breaks yeah uh, which mm-hmm. is hilariously, you know, one of the things I always talk to people about negotiating um, is is how is it going to work if you take a break? I remember when mm-hmm. when my mom first gave me the sex talk. Um, I don't know, I was eight or nine, and I remember the one question I had for her was, "What happens if you if you need to go to the bathroom?" That was apparently <sighs> my big concern at that age. Um, Hell yeah! And her response was just, "You excuse yourself and you go." Um, and that's the same is true, basically, like that advice has held for threesomes, except you have to think about, well, if just one person is leaving, and then that one person needs to rejoin the dynamic, you know, do you need to call it so that everybody takes a break at once? And that was kind of what we did in that first one, you know, someone would call timeout, and then everything would stop. Um, mm-hmm. So that nobody would would feel left out and feel like they had to sort of reintegrate if people had carried on without them. Hmm. That's really considerate. It, it, that stuff seems to just be so organic. You know, you can't plan for stuff like that sometimes, or you can, which is why you do the work you do, but you can't plan for everything. Right. So if I just need to say, can we take a break? I need to get some water or I need to pee and clean up, you know, or whatever. If I'm having sex for hours, I want to go like refresh my holes sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> right. Well, and that's one of the great things about a threesome too, is it is easier for somebody to take breaks. You know, I'm such a voyeur. I like just sort of curling up at the foot of the bed and watching the other people for a while. And, and also yes. just from a practical standpoint, like I could not actually just have sex for seven hours, right? That, no. you know, you have friction burns and all sorts of other problems at that point. Um, yeah, totally. So it helps to be able to, you know, tag out, tag in. Yeah, even with like one-to-one partner sex, you st- I mean, I still in my sex will take breaks from touching both of each other sometimes, and that's when you like lean back and kind of admire and watch them like play with themselves or you're like mutually masturbating. Some folks have never done that, but that's something I find that comes up for me that I relate to that might be relatable to other people. Yeah. And some of the stuff that you were reading about the reasons to and not to have a threesome, that sort of uh, answers part of your first question, too, about why I wrote the book. Um, You know, in part, the book is also a way for me to just talk even more about how I hope everybody's sex life goes and how I hope everyone's dating life goes with threesomes being a really tantalizing carrot, you know, to read about it. And you were talking about you know, the ways you can get into trouble faster with with multiple people, which I think is really true. And I I say the same thing often about any kind of open relationship or polyamory. I really think Mm -hmm. we need all the same skills for any kind of sex and for any kind of relationship. We just maybe get into trouble a little faster when there's more people. Um, And so this is sort of a way to 
remind people they should always be treating everybody well. Um, mm-hmm. and-, and not like disposable or a unicorn, which is something I experienced as a sex worker. Like I understand it's transactional, but still please treat me like a human. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can tell when couples have approached a sexual scenario, but they're coming from different places because they haven't communicated to each other like what they're there for. And I will ask people like, oh, who am I focusing on more? Or are we doing a 50-50 split? And like half these couples don't know mm-hmm. that I can tell they have or they know, but they haven't talked about it. So you see this coming up in non-transactional stuff as well. The question I get the most from my social media respondents when I do feedback stuff, when I ask them for this episode, what do you want to know about threesomes? The majority of the questions were, how do you how do you have one? Like, how do you mm-hmm. find a person for one? Yeah. How do you get it to be a thing that's going to happen? And then the other like small percentage was like the actual, what are the, how do you engage with the activities once you've all agreed to it? Which I can't tell you because I don't have a, like a sexual script for you. <laughs> um, yeah. These are definitely common questions that I hear as well. And there, there are multiple chapters in the book to address those questions, but yes, how do you, how do you find the threesome? And then what do you do with them when, when you get them there? It depends a little bit on how much you want to commit to that sort of lifestyle. Um, so the, the easiest way to have a threesome actually requires more time and more planning. Um, and I sort mm-hmm. of describe this as, as becoming a threesome person. And this is part of why I have landed in enough threesomes to write a book about them, because I have mm-hmm. become active in sex positive communities, open relationship communities, kink communities. I spend a lot of time with sexually open and sexually adventurous people and you know, I go to play parties and just a lot of the friends that I have and that I know are folks who are very open with their sexuality. Um, and is it Seinfeld that you quoted yeah. in the book? There's a there's a Seinfeld episode uh, where there's the discussion of being an orgy guy. And and the scenario in the book or in, that I talk about in the book is that in this episode, uh, the character Seinfeld wants to break up with his girlfriend, but of course, you know, it wouldn't be a, a sitcom if you ever just, you know, used, used your words and were direct about your yeah. feelings. Yeah. Uh, so his sidekick and best friend Costanza says to him, well, what you should do is propose a threesome with your girlfriend and her roommate. She'll be so offended. Yeah. yeah. She'll be so offended. She'll dump you. And clearly that makes more sense. Um, and so, so he does that. And then it turns out both the girlfriend and the roommate are into it. And then he's freaking out and Costanza is telling him, like, are you kidding? This is like finding plutonium by accident. Why wouldn't you do this thing? Of course, everyone just wants a threesome. And and then Seinfeld <laughs> goes into the speech that, you know, has stayed with me since the 90s, where he rants that if he did that, he would have to, you know, be an orgy guy and get orgy friends and have robes and lotions and you know, <laughs> do this whole commitment. Um and while, Which is so many cliches, but the cliches, some of them are true. It, it is true. We, I do have a lot of robes and lotions. <laughs> me too. I'm in a robe right now. I did put some oil on my pussy earlier. Um, I know it was tingly. It was great. It was CBD. Um, yeah. So I love when cliches are true. Continue, please. Yeah. So so that is kind of true. So in, in Seinfeld parlance, becoming an orgy guy or, you know, what I say, sort of becoming a threesome person 
you know, it is true that if you have those friends, you know, I have, there's one of the examples I give in a book where I went to an event with a friend of mine and we did, we just walked up to a friend of mine that the friend I was with hadn't met before and just kind of out of the blue said, Hey, do you want to have a threesome with us tonight? And, and he said, sure. And, and then we did. And that story is in the book. Um, but it only works to just walk up to someone and say that because, you know, this was somebody that I'd known for years and that I'd played with before. And we had a lot of established mm-hmm. um, negotiation. And the person I was there with was someone I'd known for years and had played with and had established communication. Um, and mm-hmm. so that initial approach then works. And so this kind of loops back to what I talk about in the first book about the sort of myth of, of spontaneity. You know, if all you looked at was, you know, me and a girlfriend walking up to a fella and saying, hey, let's have a threesome, you know, that mm. looks pretty spontaneous. True. But that only worked because of years of, of groundwork with each of those individuals on my part and knowing right. that they were both, you know, hardcore sex nerds that were good at communication and negotiation and speaking up for their needs. Um, mm-hmm. And that wouldn't necessarily have worked just you know, at a random bar with strangers. Right. What the words that are coming to mind for me is safety and openness Mm -hmm. because the safety had been established for you and them and you were the connecting, you were the V, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And openness is you're all very sexually receptive, open-minded people probably. You know, I consider myself one. That's why we're here. So I think being able to yeah, engage in those ways. You're going to connect with more people that are similarly. Um, I have a absolute do not do horror story that I didn't experience, but this one stuck with me because a friend, it happened with her. Her and her girlfriend said, let's try a threesome. What they did not do, this breaks so many like ethical <laughs> practices. One of them picked up another woman at a bar brought her home the other one was hiding in the closet Uh to like watch or come out at some point uh but it didn't seeing someone else with her partner actually really upset her and she came out of the closet very angry (laughs) which is a funny turn of phrase anyway um but (laughs) so that can you imagine how scary and traumatizing that was for that stranger in the home please don't do that (laughs) please don't do that to people i mean if she's listening to this that was like 15 years ago i hope we all know better now but so absolutely if you want to have a threesome everyone has to kind of be on the same page with do we all want to do this? I, I think the why question is, is important for all kinds of sex and definitely for a threesome. And this is one of the screening questions I ask, you know, if I'm the unicorn and I'm meeting a couple, I ask why? Because I want to know if they've talked about it and I want to know if each of their reasons are in alignment mm. and see what that looks like. Because um, you were talking about this earlier, you know, if people you know are coming to see you and they haven't talked about it in advance, that does not bode well. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And the same for me when it's when it's in my personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all of that sort of speaks to playing the long game to ultimately get to a place where it is easy to make threesomes happen. But I also know, especially from my coaching practice, that a lot of folks, they don't want that. that this is not a lifestyle choice for them. You know, they don't want to be sex party people. They don't want to become orgy guys. <laughs> you know, they're perhaps a monogamous couple who want to have one single threesome you know or maybe a once in a blue moon special occasion threesome right Um, but then the pressure's on for it to be outstanding 
And how do you do that if yeah. you're not practiced or communicating about it? Yeah. And I worry about that. And that's one of the reasons I ask about the why, you know, whenever it's like, oh, this is a birthday present for someone or an anniversary present that that worries me because the buildup um, is, is pretty intense. And, and this is something I actually I had uh, some clients who who approached me asking about, you know, I want to do, you know, a threesome for so and so's birthday. And this was during COVID times. And actually, Oof. Um, I ended up helping them find um, a friend of mine who does cam work. I'm like, how about a virtual threesome, <gasps> you know, for extra safety? Wonderful. And I also said, how about you just give your sweetie the gift certificate for this on their birthday, but don't do it on the birthday. Right. So you actually both have time to think <gasps> about what do you want from this experience? Let's negotiate this in advance. That's wonderful. And just go to dinner or something for your birthday. Um, I love it when that, educators are like sex work literate. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I learned a lot from you. So thank oh, you. Um, okay. And I mean, that is one of the things too. And even in the book, I tell people, you know, if you do want, as you were saying, you know, if you want something more transactional for tidy boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, that's a great reason to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And also that doesn't exempt you from treating people like people mm-hmm. and being respectful and, and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And it's at this um, point, worth acknowledging that there can be real barriers to paying for transactional sex uh, depending on where you live. We're very lucky here in Portland, Oregon. We have a lot of strip clubs and some lingerie modeling venues and the police do not actively, so they say, um, arrest providers. However, they do decoy stings, which means they'll post fake listings And then if you answer it, you might get arrested. Uh, So and that can prevent people from wanting to seek this stuff out because they don't want to be put in a lineup as a sex offender. Um, So cam is a really nice legal option and, um, you know, covid friendly. So thank you. for that. Yeah. And I think it's a great it's sort of a great and that's something I was suggesting even pre covid as sort of baby steps into seeing if you're ready for it, especially for these couples where you know, they're thinking it's going to be a one-off and they've never tried anything like this before. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really good idea to, before you have a whole, you know, a whole new human in your bedroom, do something first to make sure you're not going to have the reaction that your, your friend in the closet did, you know, try, try, you know, seeing a cam performer first. Like how do you actually react to your sweetie seeing another human naked Mm -hmm. and being aroused by them Mm -hmm. if it turns you on that's a green light if it makes you uncomfortable please don't try to have a threesome it's not going to be better um i had two different uh hetero couples come to the club the last time i worked and both times the woman paid me 100 bucks to take her man for three songs into the lap dance room And I had two totally different experiences with those couples because one of the couples were relaxed and excited about the other one being aroused. And the other couple, it seemed like to me as someone who's been doing this for 12 years all the time, you know, three nights a week at least, she did not seem comfortable with it, but she seemed willing to engage. And that's different. So... Stuff like that, it's uncomfortable. Like, yes, this is consensual, but is it pleasurable to everyone involved? Mm-hmm. There's a difference. There's gray areas. And I see that in that sort of birthday and anniversary scenario as well. Like mm. somebody is doing it for someone else. Um, 
And there's a real difference in, say, you know, maybe going to a movie you're not crazy about because your partner wants to see it <laughs> and having sex with somebody that you don't want to have sex with because your partner wants to. Like, yeah, I would be careful how much you, you push your own boundaries for the sake of another human. The f- that's oof. Yeah. Not good for you. And the other person can tell, like you're saying, like you can tell if somebody doesn't really want to be there, if they have reservations and that it doesn't feel good to be part of that. Mm -mm. Yeah. And for those people who don't take cues well and who can't tell, your partner's going to resent you the more for it, um, which is really unfortunate because I've seen that happen too. For the folks who aren't going to, you know, become the orgy folks and and just want the one-off, definitely as we were talking about, you know, suggest some of this work in advance, you know, making sure they are ready for a threesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, the internet, honestly, like there are a lot of apps specific to this now. I I recently wrote an article about this. It's on my, my Substack, which is splash.substack.com, but there's a a review of different dating apps for threesomes. And what's great is that there are more and more apps now specific to threesomes, specific to open relationships. Um, so you can just go out there as a couple, have a couple's profile. That's really cool. Be really direct about what you're looking for. Um, and again, there are pitfalls to avoid there. And I've written about this on the internet before, and it's in my book, you know, how to avoid the pitfalls of sort of quote unquote unicorn hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is some of what you talked about. You know, you can't just treat somebody as a tool for your fantasy Mm -hmm. Um, you know they get to show up with their own feelings and interests and desires and needs totally Um, so you need to be ready to to care about the other human as well definitely um but it is possible to just pick people up and and have a threesome if if you you know do your groundwork of of how to communicate and negotiate for that totally my first threesome I ever had was uh, because I, I mean, I was attracted to her, but I also thought for some reason that it would prevent my boyfriend from cheating on me, but it didn't. <laughs> so, oh, no. you know, and we, and like, there's discussion to be had about that too. So that's one of those things when you don't want to use sex as a bargaining chip or like a power dynamic in an unhealthy way. Um Because it's, yeah, it's not going to lead anywhere positive, I think. So we will take a break. The book is The Ultimate Guide to Threesomes by Stella Harris. Be right back. Hey there. Do you want to help people and make money doing it? Becoming a coach might be your ticket. The coaching industry is currently filled with a lot of straight white coaches and working with straight white people who have the privilege to hire them. The coaching guild is changing that. The Coaching Guild is looking for diverse people with diverse experiences and backgrounds who want to get university-level training to become a coach. This is not a shortcut certification program. This is intense training for the real world. They are looking for the artists, the rebels, and the wild ones. You can change the world one client at a time and make money doing it. Visit www.thecoachingguild.com. Do you have a sensitive vulva or vagina? Me too. People with vaginas will experience at least one yeast infection in their lifetime, and many folks like myself get them every time the seasons change. As someone who relies on their vaginal health for their personal and professional wellness, I use Momotaro Apotheca solutions for preventing bacterial vaginosis or yeast infection. 
Their products also serve urinary tract infections, postpartum care issues, aftercare, and general irritation from sex, clothing, and exercise. I love these things. I use them to shorten my healing time or prevent irritation. Use Stripper Writer for a discount code and check out their affiliated CBD products at oshihana.com. That's momotaroapotheca.com and oshihana.com. Welcome back to the Guide to Threesomes episode with Stella Harris. You can find her on Twitter at Stella Erotica. Email Stella at StellaHarris.net. Her website is StellaHarris.net. Let's do some listener questions. All right, number one. (laughs) Respectfully, how do you meet people for a third? So you mentioned some apps. They exist. How do you find those? Like apps for threesomes? Yeah, well, I mean, I... I'm not a spokesperson for any of these, right. but I mean, if I can men- mention by name, yeah, go ahead. Um, F- Field is a good one. F E E L D. Um, hashtag open is is pretty good. Um, and even just you know your standard things like Tinder, like OkCupid, as long as you're willing to be upfront about what you're using them for, that can be really valuable. And I do talk about specific apps in in the book as well. I think Field is currently my favorite specifically for threesomes Hmm. um, because the app has functionality that lets you link to your partner's profile. um, So you each get to have your own profile, but be really transparent about being looking as a couple. And I think that that's really important. That's cool. And their, their built in chat feature makes it really easy for you to pull other people into the chat. So all, all three parties, or if it's two couples, all four parties, um, can all talk at once together, which is really valuable because oftentimes on apps like Tinder, even if you have photos of your sweetie in there, it's two people talking. Mm-hmm. And so you might hit it off with one person. And then as soon as you talk to the other or meet them, realize that something feels off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like the ones that let everybody talk. Or if you are doing it on Tinder, I suggest moving to a different messaging app pretty quickly such that everyone can actually be in the conversation Mm -hmm. Um, because yeah a lot can go wrong if if there isn't chemistry between all of the people oh absolutely so your uh, chapter 11 is how to meet people for threesomes and you say to yeah what are you looking for uh you mention private parties classes polyamory meetups cruises and retreats So there's some, again, depending on where you live, there can be some stuff, but the internet is an interesting tool. And there's a lot of things that, you know, there's a lot of interesting overlaps. Like earlier this year, I was actually, um, I was a speaker at a sci-fi and fantasy convention. It was supposed to happen last year, um, which was of course canceled and then happened this year virtually. And when I was initially invited to speak, I was sort of baffled by it because I don't write sci-fi or fantasy. I like them, but I'm like, why, why me? Um, and when I looked at the lineup, they actually had pretty heavy track about sex and sexuality and communication and relationships hmm. um, because there is actually a lot of overlap. You know, a lot of people's imagined, you know, sci-fi and fantasy universes often have, you know, kink and poly and, you know, more open sexualities. And so the people who are fans of those things are often in a lot of these communities. Mm-hmm. So you can really you know, get creative in where you're meeting people. 
Um, you know, heck, even go to a pottery class. Like mm-hmm, I always mm-hmm. tell people for one-on-one dating, do the things you enjoy doing and and meet the people who are doing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically, you know, with sexuality, if going to a sex conference feels like too much, you know, look for these other things that it turns out actually have these other communities running through them. And specifically with things like, you know, sci-fi, there has always been a big overlap with you know, people who have more open sexualities. And, and that can be true in, in other worlds as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get creative with with how you're meeting people if you want the in-person version. Mm-hmm. I think just like, again, what comes to mind is one-on-one dating, normative dating advice I give when people say, how do you meet people? I say, go do classes or events or things where you have interest and you're encouraged to be interactive. So not like going to a show. I mean, you could meet someone at a show, but not if you're all staring at a screen. If you're doing, like you said, like a pottery class or a cooking class or everyone's learning to like code together or something, you are more likely to meet people that have shared interests. And then it's just a matter of chemistry, but you have to Mm -hmm. get out there somehow. And it's also helpful to, you know, you have to know the culture of the space that you're going to, because a lot of these suggestions, you know, I don't think either of us is saying you should go to, you know, a cooking class to actively cruise the other. No, if you don't like cooking, don't go there. Yeah. It has to be something you Um, actually like, like, like I like planting trees. If I meet someone who likes planting trees, that's awesome. But I'm not going to plant trees to meet someone, if that makes sense. Right. But you got to get out there. And a lot of it. Yeah. And you have to sort of frame it as friends and community first you know in in the book where you read that I talk about going to classes you know for example going to sex ed classes I'm saying that not because I think you're going to chat with the person sitting next to you and then go home with them in fact if you try to you know (laughs) hit on them that directly that would probably go poorly or be inappropriate Mm -hmm. but it is a space where you start meeting people who are interested in the things that you're interested in that can be a way to start building community to find other events and again, in the meanwhile, you're becoming a person who's going to be better at this stuff because you're learning communication skills, mm-hmm. you're learning sex skills. Um, mm-hmm. And so keeping that in mind is that, you know, don't just go to an event because you think it will get you laid, but go to an event to make friends and and build community and learn skills while you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, because the people who are super focused on an immediate outcome are usually disappointed yes, and are often the people um, who give folks looking for a threesome a, a bad name. Yeah. You're making us look bad. Stop it. Uh, question two. I have a few boundaries and would be worried about limiting my partner. What's the point of even trying? How many is a few? Because to me, a few means three or four. But like write them down. I want to know how many you have. <laughs> what do you think, Stella? And I think it depends what, what the boundaries are. Um, and, you know, I, I nerd out on this sort of idea between rules and boundaries. And, and one of the things that I often tell people, if you realize you're, that when you're thinking about having a threesome, that you want to dictate a list of rules about what the other people are and aren't allowed to do, that could be a sign that, that a threesome is not for you. Certainly. That said, everyone has to have boundaries and has to know what they are and be able to articulate them. And I think in the context of a threesome, it can be the easiest if if boundaries are set as a blanket boundary for the whole encounter rather than being unbalanced. So, for example, if you're not comfortable with the idea of of seeing your partner kiss the new person in a threesome, um, 
what I would suggest sort of twofold. First of all, any boundaries that you're going to have, really important to let the other folks know well in advance in case that's a deal breaker for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And two, set that as a boundary for everyone. So, you know, pitch it as, I'm not really sure I'm comfortable with kissing. I would prefer if there was no kissing for anybody in this. Rather than, you know, you and your partner kissing in front of the third, but then saying no one's allowed to kiss them, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's going to feel really unbalanced and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And in the heat of a moment with a threesome, it can be hard to remember. Yes. You know, genuine mistakes can happen, especially if you're allowed to, you know, feel one person up and not the other. And then you just sort of forget where your hands are going. Mm -hmm. It's easier if you just remember, okay, chests are just off limits Mm -hmm. or mouths are off limits. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say similar things with your safer sex boundaries. It's really tricky if you have mismatched safer sex boundaries in a threesome Mm -hmm. because it gets very difficult to remember where hands and mouths have been. Mm -hmm. So if you have perhaps a fluid bonded couple and a third you don't want to do fluid exchange with, sometimes it can just be easier to say, okay, there's just not going to be any oral sex whatsoever in this threesome. Or we're going to use dental dams, which not a lot of people use, but... I've tried them and they're kind of they're they're cool. barriers. Yeah, barriers. Yeah, I'm I am off and there's some really great there are advances in dental dam technology. Actually there there are more than one company now that makes sort of a wearable panty style dental dam. Wow. Oh that's so you don't have amazing. to just awkwardly hold <gasps> a, a square of latex. Um and I think they're kind of hot looking actually. Oh, I would you know, do that. Oh, if it's like an actual yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, maybe you can model some. On oh my god! Instagram. Yeah, I do wonders for the company. Oh my god! Right? Tell me, tell me when we're not recording. I will contact them. Yeah, but people want to know. Um, yeah, so that sort of thing can be great. But yeah, so just either no fluids across the board, um, or all barriers, mm-hmm. um, rather than oh now I have to keep hopping out of bed to you know wash my face and rinse my mouth out. Mm-hmm. Um, because and again, and people will forget. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so making sure it's, it's even across the board for everyone. Yeah. And so to the question, what's the point of even trying? Well, if the point of trying is that it still sounds fun overall, then that's the point. But if you're coming up against a bunch of barriers and turnoffs, then there is no point in trying, I think. And I also think, you know, being really flexible about what you're calling a threesome. And, and this goes back to the why you know, why are you having a threesome? But I think three people snuggling and watching a movie or three people exchanging massage or three people making out, I think all of that can be really hot. Mm -hmm. And it gives you that, you know, that zing of taboo that there's another person here. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the way we, you know, we get very focused on what we think sex is, you know, in my private practice, a lot of couples sort of think, okay, it's about penetration. Even when there are couples that don't have a penis between Mm -hmm. them, you know, it's often, well, sex is penetration and sex is everybody involved has an orgasm and these very specific things that, that for a variety of of reasons can sometimes be hard to achieve. Um, And then similarly, people get very specific about what they think a threesome is and it involves everyone's genitals, you know, and it involves orgasms all around. Right. Um, But it doesn't have to. Um, So, you know, person with lots of boundaries. Yeah. What if it is a snuggle pile? Mm -hmm. You You have a short list in here on page 22. Uh, This is under specific fantasies, but there's just a few totally different things here, like kissing someone new while your partner watches, trying out the fabled three-way kiss, having multiple hands on your body at once, sleeping in a three-way cuddle puddle, 
watching your partner try new things, feeling a mouth on each nipple at the same time. Like all of that, you could just play. You can just play with each other. It's not like a checklist, right? Where it's like, oh, everyone has to be fucked in a stack or it's not a threesome. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was just writing an article about threesomes um, for Kinkley, and um, <laughs> oh, I love they that. they sent me a list of images, basically, of, of the positions, and, and I wrote about them. And I have a whole section on, on positions in the book as well, but, you know, the ones they were highlighting were ones where everyone's genitals are involved at all times. Oh. Um, so, you know, like spit roast and, and, and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. What's a spit um, roast, Stella, for those who don't know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, the idea of a spit roast is uh, so basically your standard doggy style. You've got someone on hands and knees and someone behind them. And then you plant another person in front of the hands and knees person so they can perform oral sex while they're being penetrated. Mm-hmm. Also known um, as a wobbly H. Um, oh, yes, I haven't heard that. Yes. Um, and then that is easily, of course, converted to the, the fabled Eiffel Tower. If, if the if, parties on each end high five yes. over the, the third person, I was going to say that, um, you know, it, which is just my favorite for comedy points. Um, seriously, I really visualize a wobbly age for a second. It makes sense. Okay. So I love it. Right. Um, so Stella has a lot of information, everybody. You need to look <laughs> at all of everyone's going to read all your shit now because they're like, you are a gold mine. Um, they've discovered plutonium, Jerry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it doesn't have to involve everyone's genitals at once, and it doesn't have to involve genitals at mm-hmm. all. Um, or you know, like you you talked earlier about you know everyone can take a break and touch themselves. Also, that can be all it is. You know, mutual masturbation for three. You know, why not? You know, if it's fun to have one hot person masturbating in front of you, why not two hot people masturbating in front of you? Mm-hmm. Like. I think that's great. I would like more of us, including myself, to just like live in the moment and not think of life as a checklist of like, what do I need to do next? Okay. Do I need to do this thing in order for me to like really be experiencing this? Just enjoy what you're doing and just follow with that. And I think that can be a big pitfall, especially of a first threesome. If it's something you've been fantasizing about for a long time, there's probably a lot of things you want to do. And then in the moment, you can fall into the role of, you know, the director or the choreographer um, Mm -hmm. and then realize you're not just experiencing it and not just enjoying it because you were trying to work through, you know, every fantasy you've had since you were a teenager. Mm -hmm. Um, At some point in the next segment, we'll bring up some sexual health health briefly because that's worth mentioning when you navigate this stuff. Uh, listener question three, as a couple that enjoys threesomes, how can we not be deemed unicorn hunters? Well, so unicorn hunters is when you're looking for a person to satisfy the fantasy of the couple, but I would argue not necessarily looking to satisfy all three people involved. So if you're Unless it's transactional, again. Um, so I guess that's not a great definition. What do you think, Stella? Well, I think even if it's transactional, you have to be, you know, treating the person you're paying like a human being who's going to have, you know, some boundaries and some desires. Um, so that that is still important, I think. Um, yeah. If it's if it's not pleasurable for the worker, that's totally fine. I can go through the motions and it can still be um, worth it to me and not unpleasant. But I don't necessarily need to be aroused, so that's the only difference. But if you're not paying yeah. someone, 
then yes, they, they, they should be aroused or otherwise hopefully they're not engaging or they're getting something out of it some way. You have to ask the other person what they want. Right. And I think this is something that it comes up very quickly. You know, if you're, if you're meeting someone, if you're looking for someone to, to have a threesome with, you know, say you're on a dating app and you're finding that your conversation with them looks more like a job interview, you know, and there's no space for their interests or desires. That's one really quick way you're going to get into trouble. Mm-hmm. And you have a whole chapter um, on this too. Unicorn tips, yeah. chapter eight. Uh, and, and there's also specifically in the couples section a, a bit about couples privilege and a bit about avoiding the pitfalls of unicorn hunting. Um, but yeah, to like just be a nice person <laughs> is kind of what a lot of it comes down to. Um, and something happens for folks often either when they're specifically looking for casual sex or they're specifically looking for kink um, or they kind of just forget things they actually know about interactions. I've had clients, you know, where they show me their regular dating profile, you know, they show me what they put on OkCupid and, you know, they sound like a really interesting, charming, you know, funny person with a lot to offer. And they're talking about the dinners they're going to cook you, you know, and then they show me their FetLife profile and suddenly it's, you know, I'm looking for a submissive with these specific body members, you know, uh, measurements to do X, Y, and Z acts. And so even people who I think know better, people seem to really sort of silo their interests and think if I'm talking about sync or I'm kink or I'm talking about sex, somehow I'm no longer a well-rounded person and I'm not looking for a well-rounded person. I'm just looking for the relevant sex things. Mm. And so I would say trying to get away from that mm-hmm. is going to help you get away from those problems. Like how would you be talking to somebody if it was about one-on-one dating? Mm-hmm. You know, the last, the last couple that I met, um, I think it was, it was on Tinder, um, you know, pre pre pandemic, we talked about books and podcasts for something like a week before we ever got around to the, mm-hmm. like, so, Hey, you know, what are you looking oh, for? Oh, I love that. Um, and they ended up being, you know, folks that I saw, I don't know, every couple of months for a year or so pre-pandemic. Oh, that's wonderful. um, Yeah, we've checked in during the pandemic and, you know, exchanged some presents and and that sort of thing as well. Um, And it's still like, it was very casual. It's not like I was joining their marriage, you know, it was, they'd come over, you know, we would chat for a little bit, we would have sex, we would share dessert, they would go home. Like it was very much a, we're in this for the threesomes. Mm -hmm. And... Mm -hmm. We're all human beings mm-hmm. who care about each other as humans and chatter about our dogs and, and our jobs and, you know. Our hopes and dreams. Can, yeah, can still be humans together, mm-hmm. even if we're going to spend two or three hours together every couple of months. Um, so, yeah, what does it look like to treat somebody like a whole person? Mm-hmm. Friends who have sex. That's my favorite. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, you have red and yellow flags. Uh, so I want to read this. Many of the things that give unicorn hunters a bad name are due to lack of experience rather than ill intent. I think a lot of harm happens due to lack of experience rather than ill intent. I've talked about that before personally. Um, You said if you're interacting with a couple and something gets your hackles up, you need to decide if that's a sign that you should be out of there or if there's something you'd like to talk through with them. To make this determination, think about these three things. How excited are you about this particular couple? So there's the motivation. Do they seem open and willing to learn? Are they receptive? 
Are they taking your feelings and concerns seriously? Are they receptive? I think that's great. That's great advice. When it also, you know, oftentimes the person who is the most experienced ends up being in a little bit of a teacher role. <laughs> um, so you also need to decide, like, if you have the bandwidth <laughs> and if, if that's fun for oh, you triggered. if you're burned out on that. I'm so <laughs> triggered and burnt out. No. <laughs> Do we both relate to this? Yeah. I don't. I like teaching my partners. I love when they can teach me stuff, too. Uh, yeah. Do you have the bandwidth for that? And it's different, you know, when you say partner, like it's one thing if you're building a relationship, you know, and you're going to teach someone what you like, and then you're going to benefit from that, you know, ideally for months or years. Mm -hmm. And it's another thing if you've only got a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. Listener question four. This is so funny to me. So this is the way this is worded gives you an idea of the framing on the terms that we usually think, or this person is thinking. When the main couple is having sex, what does the third person do? <laughs> main couple to me implies that it's like a partner and that it's from the unicorn point of view, which is, you know, sure, common. But I mean, I'm encouraging more like triad thinking here. I don't know. They yeah. could get water. They could get wipes. They could put a hand on someone else and just like rub their back or touch their butt. I don't know. And I think that, that, I mean, this, for me, at least when, it, when, when I'm the unicorn, I think one of the benefits is you are kind of the star of the show, right? You are the novelty and the couple is excited you're there. Okay. Like there's some reason they're doing that, right? If you've done all the screening and they are both in fact into yeah. it. Um, so I, I often find that the default can be, you know, the unicorn is kind of the center of attention. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, um, you know, taking away the framing of sort of quote unquote main couple, um, there are a lot of ways to involve yourself when, you know, if two people are having sex and the third is a little less involved, like I said, I like to watch. Mm -hmm. So if anything, I need to remind myself I'm supposed to, you know, chip in and not just enjoy front row seats to a sex show. <laughs> Um, but but watching is is you know voyeurism is participation. Yeah, I love um, that. I want that on a shirt. Oh my god! <laughs> Look at me, I'm participating. I'm also um, a voyeur. And I, yeah, and I love you know your suggestion of like just laying next to them and taking turns kissing each person. Mm -hmm. um, I also like sort of the helping hand, and and this is easier too if like if there's some kink dynamics. You know, what if someone's going down on someone else and like you're pulling their hair or sort of, you know, quote unquote, forcing their head mm -hmm. or moving um, it know, out of so the way had... or brushing it out, you know, mm -hmm. something tender. Yeah. Or holding someone's hips while they're thrusting mm -hmm. or, um, or grabbing a toy, like, you know, get a, get a magic wand or something and add a vibrator to the mix of what people are doing. When in doubt, don't penetrate because I've had, you tell me what you think, but when in doubt, do not penetrate. When in doubt, touch like cup or rub and then if someone wants something inside them hopefully they let you know because I don't like it when I'm doing something that I'm like enjoying sexually or something's happening and I'm already like riding pretty high and then I feel like surprise fingers inside me sometimes that's rad but other times I want a little touch somewhere near the area first so if someone starts rubbing my butt while I'm blowing them that's awesome if I arch my butt and like lean towards your hand that probably means like move your hand over this way. And if I say put it in, that means put it in. But what you don't want to do if you're having sex with someone for the first time, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in a group, is just like ram something into them without them 
seeming to ask for it. What do you think? Even in an established relationship, I'm not a fan of of surprise penetration. Mm. Um, I think it is always good form to check in first, either verbally or non-verbally, if you have the rapport for Mm non-verbal. Yeah, because even in an established couple, um, even if you're already having sex, there are tons of reasons someone might not be up for uh, penetration, either in that encounter or at that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I don't think that should ever be a surprise. Mm I usually tell people, but it's um, if I'm on my period um, as a stripper who dances fully nude and works on her period, I will shove the tampon string up there all the time. So if you don't see a string, it doesn't mean there's nothing in there. I could also have a menstrual cup in there, Um, but I will have all kinds of sex and nothing goes inside of me in my vagina. Um, So if you're fooling around with someone and you suddenly like go for it, you might find a tampon in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that going for it mindset is also, you know, it's something I talk about in my more general sex ed classes is I think something people often learn, you know, kind of from their teen years, especially in the very like heteronormative framework is we learn sex as it's something you're trying to, you know, get away with as much as you can before the other person says no it's sort yes, of this, like slapping and choking. Yeah. You're like avoiding a no instead of getting a yes. And so that like, oh, I better hurry up and penetrate them like before they redirect or say no to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that whole idea, is it comes from this unhealthy and unhelpful framework. And porn. And as a porn maker... I definitely have seen enough porn where something happens very suddenly, but that is when you have to remind yourself that it's entertainment and the person who's the people who are being paid to film knew that they were going to be penetrated at some point and real life does not mimic that. Um, Also, some porn is harmful, just like anything that humans can create can be damaging um, in any industry. But just a reminder that the stuff you see in entertainment where they're going really hard and fast They've already agreed to that for the most part, hopefully. I really enjoy the um, the the porn productions where there are behind the scenes clips that yes. you can watch where, where you see the performers sitting together, chatting their asses, about how they negotiate, folding their clothes. You know. Yes. You get to see some of the whoopses and like, oh, we need more lube or this toy isn't working. Yes. Um, because yeah, even professionals are are human beings and not everything works all and the we time. take breaks yeah. and get water and go to the bathroom and clean our holes yeah absolutely and, and this stuff was talked about like it's often not talked about on camera um but it is in fact talked about so yeah mm-hmm. porn is a fantasy and it is a tool for arousal it is not sex ed mm-hmm. um, um, usually yeah usually Sometimes. yeah right <laughs> unless it's like some of our friends that make that stuff on purpose yeah to be. some people are doing crossover stuff which is great Fantastic. but i don't think that's what most people are finding yeah that's not what we grew up with Googling. that's not what we grew up with in the <laughs> yeah. 90s with seinfeld absolutely not yeah. yeah all right we're gonna take another break ioba toys is the creator of the super silent sex toys the oh my g and the oh my c The Oh My G is a G-spot massager with three intensity levels, a massaging pearl, and a unique C-shape made to precisely hit the G-spot. The Oh My C is a clitoral massager with a rotating massaging pearl that mimics a tongue or fingers, also known as oral sex, and it fits in the palm of your hand. Both toys are super silent and come in pink or white. 
try code L30 for 30% off on iobatoys.com. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Book a session now to take your intimate life to the next level. Listeners of this podcast receive 20% off their first session with code TTS. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, L Stanger. Find me, lstanger.com. Write to us, theytalksex at protonmail.com. You can find our guest, Stella Harris, writing about threesomes, kink, BDSM, communication skills, pleasure anatomy, all kinds of things on stellaharris.net, on Twitter at Stella Erotica, and you love banana slugs, by the way. Uh, <laughs> highlights of your media appearances, Stella, include speaking as an expert on banana slug sex and appearing on the evening news discussing yeah. the importance of sex education in schools, of course. My child, my nine-year-old, I know I'm that parent where I'm like, let me talk about my kid for a second, even in a podcast <laughs> about sex. Um, my, well, parenting and sex are relevant, and I do that sometimes. Sorry, everyone who can't deal uh, this is why we're here. My kid the other day said something about, I think slugs are cute. And I thought of you and I said, you know, I know a lady who just loves banana slugs. They're my college mascot. Where? UC Santa Cruz. That is mm -hmm. so random and good for yeah, them. The fighting banana slugs. There's, there's a whole story there, but that, yeah, is a story for another. Wow. Podcast. <laughs> so we're talking about threesomes. Do banana slugs have threesomes? Do slugs have pylon sex? They don't have threesomes, but they they do have some very involved bizarre sex. Fabulous! Yeah. I love that. Yeah, this is homework for anybody to to look up online if this is intriguing. Or just uh, pay Stella to talk about it. Maybe she'll do that. There, there you go. go. Yeah. Um. So I found this article I really like speaks to a lot of issues and conflicts and information about what we're talking on. The Psychology of a Threesome, Everyone Wants One, But Who's Truly Ready for It? This was written by L. Hunt, February uh, 2020 on theguardian.com. So it starts out talking about a partner who were at a restaurant and at one point, they became aware that a bisexual woman friend was attracted to their partner. One of the one of the partners in the main partnership started playing Candy Crush on their phone, while the other one negotiated the three-way. And 30 minutes later, he was informed that they were going to be having a three-way. So if you've listened this far in the episode, you can figure out how maybe that's not an ideal scenario. Uh, it goes on to talk about, so Dr. Justin LaMiller is quoted in here. Stella, you said he's in your book, quoted in your book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he said that in a highly diverse sample study of people ages 18 to 87, 95% of men and 87% of women said that they had fantasized about sex with multiple partners. But among those who had acted on it, LaMiller's research revealed threesomes were also, quote, the fantasy that was least likely to turn out well. Uh, and that's because all three individuals involved might have had very different expectations. 
So this is some of the stuff we've been talking about. Yeah. And I think the, the little anecdote that this starts with, you know, I know that you and I are, are both already annoyed that, you know, one of the people was just told they would be having a threesome mm-hmm. rather than being asked. And also, you know, the setup of like, oh, we were having dinner with, you know, a bisexual woman friend. And so then, of course, it leads to a threesome. And, and although it doesn't explicitly state mm-hmm. this, I do think it reinforces the stereotype that all bisexual women are hypersexual down for threesomes all Mm -hmm. the time, want all of the sex with all of the Mm -hmm. people. Um, And as a bisexual woman who's talking about all the sex that she has had, I can tell you, I am not down for all of the sex with all of the people all of the time. It is actually, you know, perhaps more selective um, than it sounds uh, on a podcast like this. Um, And I I actually do have a a section in the book too, where I refute this idea, A, that all bisexual, all women are bisexual, Mm -hmm. you know, and B, that all bisexual women want to have sex with you in particular, right? right? Like, it is not a sure thing just because sexuality is a line. Is it? That everyone wants everyone. Is the study cited uh, that like 5% of women and 2% of men identify as this way? Am I correctly citing that from the book? Yes. And, um, there are, there's a lot of trouble with, with any, um, any kind of scientific study where people need to self-report. Right. So that's never going to be accurate when we're in a world with, with. Exactly. Yeah. As a queer person, I'm like, no, I think it's much, 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 much higher because uh, for much of my early experiences, a lot of people who I had sex with that was not straight sex identified as straight. Um, so yeah, I think we're underreporting that. Well, and the fact that it's different for men and women, I think, also shows how there are more biases against bisexual men than against bisexual Certainly. women, because there's no other reason that the numbers would be gender based. And you know, as somebody who regularly speaks at colleges and universities, I can tell you that you know the youngsters these days, there are way more folks identifying as various flavors of orientation you know, of queer and and gender fluid Mm -hmm. and and you know roughly a third I think at both um was it Reed College and Pacific um Pacific University anyway a couple of the places I've recently spoken um yeah roughly a third of the student body identifies as as some kind of interesting Um, and I think it's not that you know suddenly people just are more queer no it is as it is safer and more acceptable we're we're seeing more of yeah that. people are more allowed to be who they honestly genuinely feel they are i hear from a lot of bisexual men clients who it's their big secret because we do not support bisexuality mm-hmm. in males the way we do in feminine people and that's because of homophobia and our ideas around masculinity and misogyny so and other things too i'm sure but we're getting a little away from threesomes. <laughs> There's so much. This is the problem with you and me. We have a lot of yeah. opinions. <laughs> well, we have a lot of facts and a lot of opinions. So yeah. this article brings up how there can be coercion that can be involved uh, in group mm-hmm. sex. And this can play out in dynamics all around the world. One of the ones that's cited here is if there's a threesome between two gang members and one of the girls, the threesome could be about a hierarchy among the men not so much engaging with pleasure with her. Um, 
there's definitely, I've spoken to folks who felt pressure to engage with their partner to fulfill a fantasy or pressure to engage with an opportunity to be queer as a way to validate their own queerness, but not because they're attracted to the person, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're queer and this person's queer, so we should all hook up together. Um, that's not how that works. Uh, take one for the team is a phrase in this article. It's common for half of one couple to take one for the team. Doing it your doing that for your partner is not the same as coercion, this researcher says. In some cases, Oof. it could be that there's an imbalance in desire. That's true. Yeah, but then you don't need to be there. And this is something I see, you know, often with couples that I that I'm working with, you know, if people are tiptoeing into the idea of opening a relationship, they often think a reasonable first step is something like this, is a threesome or is two couples. Like you need to be there for some sort of safety rather than just letting, you know, the higher desire person or the person with, you know, specific desires that you're not interested in being a part of go and do that on their own. Mm. Um but but oftentimes, yeah, like you don't you don't need to supervise mm-hmm. someone's sex if that's not fun for you. If you don't really want to be mm-hmm. there, if it really is just letting about letting somebody live out a fantasy, like why don't they just mm-hmm. go do that? And I have a whole and then they can tell you about totally. It later. I have an entire episode on jealousy and relationships with Dr. Jolie Hamilton, so folks can listen to that uh, and learn a little bit about maybe understanding their edges around sharing partners or opening up. There's one more thing I want to get into on this article. So Dr. Ryan Scotes of Coventry University published Understanding Threesomes, which is the first in-depth study on threesomes in 30 years. He found that the motivations went far beyond straightforward novelty seeking for some people from either ticking it off a sexual bucket list to settling psychological debts, for example, by leveling the score with an unfaithful partner. One woman who had cheated on her husband in a threesome later repeated the experience with him as payback. Oof. Interesting. So I'm glad we got to name a lot of these different scenarios that can come up for people because it can be really hard to name them ourselves when we're in them. But the point is, if you are having a threesome, if you want to have a threesome, you should be doing it because you're all enjoying it. There was a there was another university study um, about the reasons that people have sex, just one on one sex, and they came up with I think it was two hundred and thirty seven <gasps> reasons. Oh, I love um, that. And I th- I think I I referenced that in my first book, but of course they're not all good, right? Sometimes the reason is you know out of jealousy or to get back at someone. Sometimes the reason is you know because I wanted to be liked, mm-hmm. you know, or you know, there's, there's all sorts of stuff. So of course that's going to translate over to threesomes. You know, we want to think it's always mm-hmm. all of these happy, positive reasons, but, but sex and human dynamics are, are super complex. So in the beginning, we mentioned that it's one of the most fantasized about things for people. However, one of the most likely to not go as well as they would have liked if they engage in it. So I think something to take home here is maybe you just want to live in your fantasy in a safe way because mm-hmm. I watch group sex porn all the time I do and it's like okay time to masturbate if I'm gonna watch anything do 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 group sex let's see if I haven't seen any of these yet I'm also I'm really picky but do I want to have group sex all the time every day once a week once a month no that would be really hard to manage and safety 
Yeah. Well, I do want to speak to the the fantasy piece. I think that that's great. Um, I do, again, have a section about like, what if this just is going to live in fantasy? And there's ways that you can create threesome fantasies with toys and porn and erotica. And I think that's great. I don't think that's a cop out at all. I think having a rich fantasy life is wonderful. Um, and yeah, in terms of the safety piece, I want to say that everything that applies to one-on-one sex applies to threesomes. And to just know going into it, it's going to be easier to forget, you know, especially if it's something you're super excited about, you're afraid of breaking the rhythm, breaking the mood. Um, it can be hard to remember your your safety boundaries or to bring them up. So that's something I always like to have negotiated well in advance. Um, make sure you have any supplies that you need. I always think everyone should bring them just to make sure that they're there. Mm-hmm. Um and yet, just remember that it's a lot easier to to miss something. And it's a lot easier. I mentioned this a little bit before in the boundary talk, but it's easy to forget where hands or mouths have been, you know, to go down on one person and then go to kiss someone else. And you just forget, like, mm-hmm. oh, someone's fluids are on my mouth. Or where has my hand been? Mm-hmm. And that includes touching yourself, right? Like, if you're absentmindedly touching your own genitals, and then go to touch someone else like that is a cross-contamination that you might not have wanted. Mm-hmm. So folks, you have to bring up like if I'm going to engage sexually with someone, I tell them, hey, by the way, so I have HSV one. That means I get cold sores sometimes. It's a form of oral herpes. I've never transmitted that to a partner that I'm aware of, but it's possible. Um, I'm not on birth control. And so that's an example right there of something I would share with people. And I would say the last time I was screened was a month ago. And what about you? That can be really hard for people. Yeah. And I like to have that conversation early because how people have that conversation tells me a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, if I tell someone when I was last tested and ask about their testing, if they sort of like freak out or if they're offended or I've had, you know, people say something like, well, don't you trust me? No, not now. Absolutely not. And definitely not if you're offended by this question. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can tell, like, if they're taken aback by that, then you know they're not having this conversation with other partners. Mm-hmm. And, and that means that they probably me, don't know their status. Yeah. And that's definitely a deal breaker for me. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I have been, you know, pandemic uh, monogamous for the last 18 months. Um, wow. And I just went and got tested, you know, mm-hmm. even though I'd only been with one person and felt. Mm-hmm pretty darn sure there was nothing going on. I'm like, okay, the world is opening up. I'm probably going to start negotiating again. And I don't want to be the person who says like, oh, I haven't been tested for a year and a half, but trust me. I'm like, no, that's not my standard. And so no. I'm go get tested <laughs> and tell people, hey, I was just tested. How about mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way people talk about sex will often really tell you a lot about how they might be when they engage in sex. So you can save yourself a lot of trouble by talking about it beforehand. And that shows you what's going to happen if there is a whoops. You know, if you mm-hmm. haven't been able to talk about sexual safety in advance, what happens if a condom slips or breaks in the moment? Like, do you know how somebody's going to respond to that and what the mm-hmm. responses are going to be? Or like you had mentioned, like, what if you hadn't talked about birth control methods and the Mm -hmm. condom tears or someone comes inside you because they assume you're on birth control because you didn't talk about it yeah or if someone starts feeling symptoms and you're like man i should have been using condoms when i fucked five different people that summer and then you go to the doctor and it is chlamydia (laughs) and then you have to text all those people and three of them are okay and totally understanding and say they'll go get screened too and then one of them gets mad and you decide that's the one you're never having sex with ever again yeah when that happens (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I and this is ridiculous, but but there was somebody a few years ago who I only ever went on three dates with. Um, and a couple of months later, I got the text like, hey, I just wanted to let you know, I tested positive for chlamydia. And so maybe you should get tested. Um, and luckily, the way the timing worked out there, I, I came up negative. But that weirdly to me enforced that that had been sort of a good partner choice, even though it didn't yes. get very far. Yes. That someone I was probably never going to see again, who really had no accountability to me at that point, would still text me that heads up. Yep. Um, I felt great about that. So I'm like, all right, great. That was a trustworthy person. They had this relevant information. And even though we don't really talk anymore, they wanted to make sure I knew that. And yep. that is what I'm looking for in people I'm having sex with. If heaven is real, they're going there. I <laughs> appreciate them. Two things I like to ask my guests before we go. What are some resources that have been helpful for your learning? Oh, gosh. Um I'm I am such a nerd. Um, I try to just read all of the books, listen to all of the podcasts. I've certainly loved your podcasts over the years. Um, Thank you. I love the, I really love right now that so many classes have moved online and they're so available to folks regardless of where you are in the world. Um, so classes through um, Shebop and Self Serve and Sugar and uh, Wicked Grounds. Um, I've all been enjoying all of that over the pandemic. Um, you know, we just mentioned Justin Laymiller. Um, his book, Tell Me What You Want, talks a lot about common fantasies. That's a nice tool. Um, mm, he's great. What else? Oh, I really like maketimeforthetalk.com. That's from Dr. Mm -hmm. Evelyn Dacker. You know her. We know her. Yeah. That's great about talking uh, STIs and boundaries, turn-ons, voids. I also send a lot of people to the Scarletine website. I know the idea is that it is it is sort of youth-focused, but it is some of the best writing about sex, um, and it is knowledge that people of all ages often don't have and mm -hmm. need, um, mm -hmm. so definitely check out Scarletine. Mm -hmm. And a lot of listeners have kids too. So you'll need this information anyway. <laughs> and sometimes you want to, yeah, send, send them somewhere trustworthy if there are certain words you can't bring yourself to say out loud just yet. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So lastly, before you go, besides everything you just said, do you have any parting sex tips for our audience? Um, it's totally okay if you're not into this stuff. It, it doesn't make you a, a failure as a sex positive person. It doesn't make you less good giving and game. Like there's nothing wrong with not wanting these things. And I don't, I always want folks to know that I don't think any of this is better than anything else. I don't think mm. group sex is better than one-on-one. -on -one. I don't think kink is better than vanilla. I'm a big fan of one-on-one -on -one vanilla sex. Um, mm. I, I think it's about the people and the connection and, you know, are you engaged and having fun and enjoying yourself? That's, that's what matters. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. I love that. Everybody check out StellaHarris.net. Find her on Twitter at Stella Erotica and email theytalksex at protonmail.com to give feedback to me, your host, Elle Stanger. Thank you so much for coming on, Stella. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'll see you in the Portland streets until yes. next time. 